food bloggers. Hi, how are you today? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. This is the place for food bloggers to get information and inspiration to accelerate your blog's growth and ultimately help you to achieve your freedom, whether that's financial, personal, or professional. I'm Megan Porta, and I've been a food blogger for over 12 years. I understand how isolating food blogging can be at times. I'm on a mission to motivate, inspire, and most importantly, let each and every food blogger, including you, know that you are heard and supported. I love this episode. I think you guys are going to really like it too. I have a chat with Caro Jensen. She is from the food blog, caroha.com. And she shares with us how to build a strong food brand. And she gives us four easy steps to make that happen. This is episode number 384 and it is sponsored by Rank IQ. Enjoy. Hey, awesome food bloggers. Before we dig into this episode, I have a really quick favor to ask you. Go to your favorite podcast player, go to eBlog Talk, scroll down to the bottom where you see the ratings and review section. Leave eBlog Talk a five-star rating if you love this podcast and leave a great review. This will only benefit this podcast. It adds value. And I so very much appreciate your efforts with this. Thank you so much for doing this. Okay, now on to the episode. Caro is a seasoned marketing professional who has worked in the food and wine space for over a decade. As a brand and PR manager in the wine industry, she's worked with bloggers directly and via agencies. She's also connected bloggers and brands as a marketing consultant and works as a food and wine content creator to build her own brand and channels. Hi, Caro. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yes. Okay. Before we get into it... We would love to hear if you have a fun fact about yourself to share. Yeah. So my fun fact is that I actually met my husband on a train in Portugal. Oh. Yes. He was traveling overseas doing his OE and I was studying at the time in Portugal. And I was due to go to an internship in New Zealand for an advertising agency and I saw his passport. So I went (laughs) over and said hi, which is not really like me. So. (laughs) Oh my God. So that's not something you would normally do. No, not at all. (laughs) Oh, so that had to be a sign. Like, okay, I'm supposed to be talking to this guy for a reason. Yeah, long story, but uh, yeah, three three children later, we uh, we're living in New Zealand, and yeah, so it's been uh, been an interesting journey for sure. I love that. I love that. I'm picturing the whole scene in my head as you <laughs> talk about it. So fun to know that. And I always find I don't know about you, but I find learning about people's how they meet stories are so interesting, and not just couples, but like friends and people who have strong relationships. I always ask couples that when we're getting to know each other, because I think it's so fun to learn how people came together. It is. Yes, it tells a lot about them, I think. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Cool. Thank you for sharing that, Caro. You are here today to talk about how to build a strong food brand in four easy steps. So I'm really excited to get into that. Would you mind starting by telling us a little bit about your blogging journey and your blog? Yeah, so I guess my background is in brand building. I worked for a lot of wineries in in different brand roles, and I started being a a marketing 
in 2008, which was uh, Sip in Zit Wine. And with the blog, I connected wineries with brands. I created you know, New Zealand Rosé Day and ran some social media campaigns. And that's how I sort of got my first experience in blogging, um, creating, connecting wineries to consumers, because there was a real gap between wineries producing rosé wine and consumers wanting to know more about it. And it was more of a lifestyle category that brands are not so comfortable with in the wine space um, to market to. And that was sort of quite a revolutionary thing over here um, was one of the first wine blogs and I partnered up with a friend of mine and um, together we connected a lot of brands and that's basically how sort of blogging and branding came about and this year I um, rebranded SipNZWine into carroha.com. This is my food brand and my food blog. And I sort of decided that I wanted to create more of my own content rather than sharing wineries content. And my passion is really also in photography. So I've taught myself a lot and and really sort of dove headfirst into photography and videography and creating my own content. And that's how I sort of got immersed in the food blogging community and which I really love that everybody's so open and helping each other. That's sort of quite yeah. new to me and yeah so I thought you know what's one way to give back to the community which is my background in branding and I sort of see people not really sort of using branding to their full potential and I thought maybe I can share some tips from my experience. I love that you have a background in branding and that you're bringing that into blogging and offering it up as kind of a service to help bloggers because this is something I feel we don't dig into enough. We hear people talk about it. We hear people talk about the importance of it. But then it's like one of those things that personally I push aside and, you know, I don't prioritize it. So super eager to hear what you have to say, especially with all of your expertise. So let's just get right into it. What are your four steps for building a strong food brand? So just, uh, <laughs> I just wanted to pedal back just one thing. The brand is not your logo on the food blog. And I think that's probably the first thing that the people sort of think. They, they create a, a logo and, and, and then they feel like the branding, oh, it's done. And I think sort of it's easy to forget that branding has a lot of touch points. Um, you are the brand in most places in the food blog. Most people are happy to have a personal connection to the blog. So there are a lot of different touch points. And I, I sort of feel, especially in the moment with SEO being so focused on writing for a toddler and, and, and sort of taking all personality out and everybody using their same themes, there's sort of a real opportunity to set your food block apart with some branding. And I think it starts with number one, which is basically your brand values. When a visitor or a reader, somebody from Google discovers your site, they should really very quickly get to know you and your brand, um, and that's through the, your, your brand values. And how you get to the brand values is that you first define your brand mission. And that sounds very marketing lingo <laughs> and quite hard, but it's really just um, why did you start your blog? It's one part, I guess, that sort of becomes apparent in the About Us page. But I encourage everybody to just sort of sit down with a piece of paper and just sort of answer these questions, whether you have been blogging for a long time or you're just getting started. So you just write down, so why have I started the food blog? Is it because I was diagnosed celiac? 
celiac because I went uh, vegan. I got myself an air fryer. I, I'm just a passionate foodie that loves to share uh, my grandma's recipes. So that's the sort of brand mission that you that you could have. And from there onwards, you would create your brand vision, which is kind of just, you could probably heard of the term, the vision board. Yes. Where you sit down and which is a fun exercise in my view, where yes, you sort of sit sit down on Pinterest or and and just start pulling pictures, words, and emotions, and just start to dream big. In five years, in ten years, do you want to be the go-to place for vegan desserts, or um, are you going to be the number one site for? air fry recipes, for example. So it's just sort of, so you start with your brand mission and then you turn it into your brand vision. And out of that, you really get to your brand values. And those are kind of your values or beliefs that you're going to use to get to your vision. So that might be that you have healthy recipes, that you have vegan recipes, that uh, you have simple recipes. So in the food niche, it's quite easy because that's basically connected to your recipes. Um, what kind of food, what kind of value are you going to offering to the reader? Um, and I guess that's sort of when people are talking about niching down, that's really in which niche do you operate? But it really comes back to what are you offering to the reader? What, what are the values that you can offer to the reader? Yeah, and that's sort of the first exercise that I would encourage everybody to do and uh, to get really a clear idea about what do you stand for, how do you serve your reader, and and that really gives you the direction of which recipes do I want to keyword research. Maybe you might skip over a few that don't align with your values. Yeah, so it's like the building the foundation for everything else that you're making for that's your right. blog. How do you recommend creating a mission statement? I think hearing that kind of makes me think of corporate world (laughs) and I shut down a little bit because yeah that whatever so where do we start with that how do we go about doing that yeah I think you just ask yourself why does my blog exist and why did I start my blog it really can come from you so your mission statement comes from you which I mean if you just started your blog to come onto video and make some money I hope that's uh, that's very unlikely in the food space but I usually have a fundamental reason of why you started a blog and and that should be shared with a reader because people connect over personal experience I think that's it's really important to sort of get to know the person a little bit more as well I like how you said that so I think it would be easy for me to sit down and think of that fundamental reason I started why I continue a blog, my blog, and I think most of us can probably write that out just right now, right? I mean, we wouldn't even yeah, have to give that much right. thought. We already know it. Yes. Yeah, okay. I think so. So it's not, you don't need to overthink it or start Googling mission statements of Coca-Cola. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, you're, you're a food, a personal food brand. So a mission statement really lies within you. And that's actually quite easy to do. And it's the same with the brand vision. It's what you and vision want for your blog. It's not what any external factors play into it. It's really what, what do you want to achieve with a blog? What, what best case scenario? Uh, what would that look like? And that's not, you might have financial goals, but it's sort of more driven off uh, where do you see the blog and the blogging landscape sit after five to 10 years. Yeah. And then tagline too, I feel like taglines come to us even before we do anything. Maybe I'm wrong, but I know when I was starting my blog, I had all of these ideas because I knew the fundamental reason I was starting and you kind of associate like a little snippet of words that tell people, kind of explain your brand, or how would you define mm-hmm. a tagline? 
Um, a tagline. I mean, uh, really, it's, it's from a branding perspective. Uh, you you share a tagline. Everybody knows quickly what you're all about in a few very very succinct way. Um, and that tagline usually, once you have done the exercise, especially once you have the values of what you're standing for, um, you kind of spin that into a tagline. So for for example, for me, it's um, I, I I make recipes that are from scratch and it's comfort food. So I and that are reliable. So I my, my tagline is delicious food from scratch. Um, it might be vegan food in a minute. It might be air fryer made simple, <laughs> just just to sort of throw yeah. some out. So it's usually a very succinct slogan-like way, but also extra extra points if it's keywords researched. So if you use in your tagline that you will use everywhere, which I encourage um, to use on all the channels, which I come to later. But it's really great if you can also keep some res- uh, come keyword research in mind because yeah, it does help getting picked up in the right <laughs> Yeah, right. Oh, you said that much better than I did. So thank you for talking (laughs) through that. Okay, so once we've defined our values, our mission statement, tagline, kind of defined our story and why we're here, why we're doing what we're doing, what would be the next step? So once I have a tagline, I usually encourage brands to create like a 200-word and a 500-word brand overview. And that's basically your About Us page sorted at that point. But really, it gives you sort of a document where you have your, your brand name, you have your tagline, and then you have your brand descriptions. Once you have them done you can basically then whenever somebody says for example oh you're invited on a podcast can you send me a bio you just copy paste and it's always going to be the same you add it to your newsletter you add it to all the different places so I think that's where consistency comes in but it's just really good to sit down once and write it and and make sure it's very succinct that that aligns with your brand values and mission statement and then sort of have this go-to place of copy that you can just grab wherever you need it. Yeah. So you're saying put that all on the about page on your blog, right? Yeah. I mean, there's SEO comes into play, mm-hmm. but I think I would have it in a document just, just somewhere on your server. And then, but it's really just a, a very good foundation for your about us page. Yes. Yeah. I like the idea of just copying and pasting. So you get it all down, you you figure out why, who you're serving, why you're serving, get it on paper, and then you can repurpose it as needed. You don't have to rewrite it every single time somebody asks you for it. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Is that all with defining yes. your brand values? Okay. Why don't you talk about step number two then, Carl? Yeah. So that's my favorite part <laughs> when I work with brands. And that's where people sort of, when brands uh, come to me, um, it's it's usually that, that they are sort of already have something they want to share. So it's basically the look and feel and the brand identity. So how about go about it? How I go about it is um, so you have already your vision board, which is great, which is a perfect starting point, really. But then you kind of create a mood board, and the mood board you can get inspiration from Pinterest or magazines, other blogs, social media. But what, especially in the food space, what I also think it's a really good source is restaurants and cafes because it's sort of you're creating a look and feel and a space, an online space. So if you if you think of your favorite restaurants that align with your niche, then that sort of has a lot of cues properly in it, uh, like what what are the tables, what is the decor, um, what's the menu written like. Um, so it sort of gives you a, a, a bit of a starting point of in which direction you might want to go and that's always a, a bit of a fun a fun stage yeah. where you can just really plug everything together so I just open 
basically like a PowerPoint blank sheet and just drop everything in that I sort of like and associate with the brand. And that, that's basically from photos over fonts and colors. Uh, Pinterest is really good to have. If you Google color palettes, for example, you, your, your primary color is, or you would like to have your primary color to be an orange, then you, you punch in color palettes and there's just all, all, all basically done for you. So they have a lot of examples where they um, complement it with imagery, also shapes. You might want to have a certain shape that's sort of recognizable, icons. So you just sort of anything, anything that you feel drawn to and that sort of fits your niche. I guess if you're healthy, vegan food blogger, for example, then you're probably more drawn to light and bright mm. and punchy colors versus somebody who's sort of maybe more in the rustic food barbecue area. Yeah, yeah, right. So put together a mood board of sorts. You can do that in a variety of ways. And then do you put anything official together as a way to show maybe brands or people who come on board on your team or anything like that? Yeah, so the mood board is sort of, then I sort of edit, edit it down a little bit to make sure it's all succinct. So materials and textures as well. And, but, but basically what you're going into then is a brand style guide. And that's something you would share with external people. I wouldn't necessarily share my, my mood board, but a brand style guide is basically where you then formalize everything that's become sort of your, yeah, your style guide is anything you, you, you're going to create. Any content you're creating needs to basically line with your style guide so usually you have a logo at the top and your your fav icon you have your logos in different versions so if, if a brand partner if you have a brand partnership and they would like to use it on a reverse as a reversed or on as a horizontal and you, you you don't you use it in a different way on your blog just to have different options on how to apply your logo correctly and then you have your color palette which usually has an accent color and some supporting colors in it and with the color palette you you would even go as far as having the hex code so when you're creating a newsletter for example and you wonder what color your button on your homepage is you probably want to want to make sure that's all consistent so you just refer to your style guide and just grab the hex code and make sure you have the right font combination which is obviously limited by your theme but you could create imagery where you overlay fonts if you want if you want to use a particular font for example yeah, and then what I also include for um, food bloggers is the portrait shot, which is really important, I think. A lot of food bloggers are really, really good in photography. So taking a photo of yourself isn't as taking a photo of a stack of pancakes, <laughs> but you have the skills. So really, I think you should make, if you don't want to outsource this, you should make um, a, a real priority to create a great headshot for, of yourself for, the, for your website and for other places as well. They really also again communicates your brand values and that's something that I even research in the mood board stage which sort of portrait shots do I like of creative people what are the poses what are the props what do I want to people feel like I sort of think of it as if I meet somebody for coffee and they they sit down and see it for me the first time sort of what do they how do I want to come across it's all part of your branding really Hey, food bloggers, let's chat about Rank IQ really quick. If you are looking for a way to give your Q1 and Q2 content a quick boost for extra traffic and revenue, let's do it. Try this easy strategy. Pick a post or a category that typically does really well this time of year. Go to rankiq.com and type that topic into the keyword research library. 
sort from lowest to highest competition and scroll through the keyword options and see if anything aligns with your expertise and your content. From the list, choose one informational topic to write about and choose one roundup to put together. Publish both within a few days, interlink it all to your existing content and to each other and watch your traffic grow. Go to rankiq.com to sign up and check it out for yourself. Now back to the episode. I kind of have unintentionally done this. I love, so the color of the eBlog Talk logo, it's like a magenta, like a dark magenta kind of love that color. And I, for the longest time, would wear that color in my portraits, my, yeah, my headshots. And I didn't realize I was doing it. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I'm wearing the same color. I should probably wear something different so that my logo, I don't like blend into my logo. So I started wearing just black because I thought, oh, that can stand out. So it's funny that you can do that without even really thinking through like, you know, like the mood board and the brand style guide and just unintentionally you do these things. Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, I think people are sort of used to consistency. (laughs) And I think uh, subconsciously, you probably do that already yourself. You're not sort of starting your brand and thinking, oh, I'm going to use every color of the rainbow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Very unusual. (laughs) We're drawn to certain colors and we probably do that in our wardrobes and the way we style. I guess you're creating look and feel. So how you want to look and feel, that's basically what what you already subconsciously do. Yeah, right. So that can lead into styles of photography as well, right? The styles that we take our food photos with. That's right. So you have got your brand style guide sorted, which you uh, usually share if you do brand alignments, um, brand partnerships that people are using your brand. It's always good to share that. But then being a food photographer and videographer, I I recommend creating a style guide just for that. Look at the food photography that you that you like, that you are try that you're working towards to, and really analyze the photos. And I think you had somebody on the podcast recently actually who who did a whole episode on it, which was really helpful. Sort of really look at the, the props and the angles, which backdrops you're using, what's the look and feel of the photos, what's the editing style, and then also in videography, what's the music that's being used, what are the editing uh, styles in the video transitions, is that light and bright versus moody, moody and rustic, and then really use that also as a starting point to create your prop collection. It's easy as a food photographer, I think, when you're getting into food photography to run to your secondhand shop and just by anything that looks like food photography (laughs) and and sort of randomly have a selection of plates that you're never going to use. I think if you carefully analyze of of what fits actually into your look and feel, um, you would be a lot more intentional in in getting your your prop kit established. Okay. And then I had one other question and then I want to go back because I have an overarching question. (laughs) But Where else does this bleed into as far as like creating that look and feel? Can it bleed into Instagram, YouTube, like any channels that you have outside of your blog? Yes, definitely. So I... In, in consistency, I would I would touch on where it all goes, but really, I mean, the blog is not even. You think of it, your logo is your brand. I think not even your blog is your brand. <laughs> so you have you are creating a whole sort of eco ecosphere.
sphere of where you are present. And that's all sort of your brand. And I mean, it's your blog, it's your newsletter, it's your social media channels, it's your web stories, it's your products. If you have e-books e on your site, it's um, it's cooking classes, it's any services, any pitch decks that you're putting together. I mean, there are so many touch points that you have with a blog, with a brand. You really sort of, when you're creating these styles and guides, then you really have to keep in mind that this needs to apply for all those different touch points. So don't limit yourself just to the photo, the food photo on your blog post. That's a very, very small part of your visual identity. Yeah. Being consistent through all of the things, right? There's so many things we have to keep our hands in. And then my other question was, how much time do you recommend us spending on all of this? Because we're all busy and it's something that we can so easily set aside because it's not, quote, necessary. So break down what you think the time commitment would be. I think it's easy to overthink it and get carried away and never actually push life on your blog to start with because you're getting hung up on the the complementary color on your blog. Definitely spend some time on it, but it's not something that's set in stone that can never being online that you can't tweak and and move towards to. So I feel take a day and and try to before you start the blog or or when you are already an established blog, just to sort of do a brand or audit and just run through these and just making sure that you're on the right path. And then as you're writing maybe the next newsletter, tweak the button color <laughs> because it's actually not on brand. Or or when you're working towards photography, a big body of photography work, just sort of pivot into a, a direction. It's not something that you can't change. You don't want to change your branding and and like drastically you know, every yeah. quarter with the seasons, but but it's being online, an online content creator, you have the luxury of actually trying a few things out. I think it's also easy to box yourself in into I'm light and bright and, and nothing else goes. And, and it's sort of there's, for example, like in 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 the rustic category, there's rustic that's that's quite um light <laughs> and there's rustic that's very moody uh, don't don't make it too narrow because then you're feeling like you're just stamping out the same content over and over again which is very uninspiring I think as well so give yourself some guidance but don't don't overthink it <laughs> and allowing some margin too so that you can experiment right because just because you've defined your brand doesn't mean that you can't if you have a light and colorful photo style you can still experiment with dark and moody and see how that goes that's right yeah, yeah. and on your blog you're, you're also training your user or your reader so if you have an accent color that's your link color of call to action colors that you want them to act upon then it's good to keep that consistent because the reader will know that oh there's your McGin McGinter from uh, from Megan you know you scan the page it's like oh oh here subscribe to the newsletter and oh here's another button and here's another link it's not just for pure aesthetics it's also has a function yeah that's good to think through too people associate certain colors and will kind of not knowingly keep that in mind as they scroll through your content right Yes, yeah. yeah. And you, you can even go as far as in color theory a little bit. They're complementary colors and a color wheel, but then they are also um, colors that stand for certain mood. Uh, if you if you want to sort of um, and look into that a little bit as well, that's quite helpful as well. And some industries stand for financial blogs often have, you know, a, a light blue and gray. And yeah. <laughs> so there's definitely also industry standards. 
And you don't have to stick with those, right? I mean, you can no, kind of not. be yourself, even though there's like a, a norm <laughs> for some industries. Okay. Anything else on step two before we move on to step three? No, I think that's, uh, we've covered everything there. All right. Talk to us about number three. So I guess once we have now the look and feel sorted, um, it comes to, it goes to the tone. So the written word that you're using and with a written word similar to the logo and the identity, you just think straight away, oh, how do I write my blog post? And it has to be SEO friendly and I can't really do anything else. <laughs> and and I think there's, um, it's easy to forget that you're writing content all over the place. It's not just it's not just a blog post. You have your newsletters where you can inject a lot of personality, a lot of a lot of brand values, um, and really reflect that. You have your about us page where you can um, still have a keyword research copy, but you can definitely portray a little bit more of your personality. Um, you have your social media captions, which are not SEO'd. Your copy that you lay over um, videos or any voiceover that you're using on videos. You have got your freebies, um, any maybe digital products that you're selling. You've got your web stories. You have got <laughs> um, your yeah. emails that you're writing to your to readers that you're applying to comments to. So there's a lot of room for to really be on brand to <laughs> to call it but just uh, be yourself and I think it's just always easier when you're sort of defining your tone to just be yourself because it's just so much easier <laughs> than trying to be some sort of different version of yourself and where you constantly have to try hard to inject mm. words that you usually wouldn't use and there are so many of us that we need to be ourselves and that's going to be one of those things that really sets us apart and makes people like us you yes. can just drop all of the fronts and stop trying to be like other people and just be us yes yeah i think it helps to have a little bit of a word bank i call it where when i read copy or, or anything and like, oh I, th I really like that word and you know i might want to add it actually to my vocabulary not just to my blog posts where you're sort of expanding there especially me i'm not a native speaker so that sort of that really helps but i think generally just 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 be yourself and but just keep in mind that you want to be consistently yourself across all the platforms and be aware that if you are writing a guest post or you're writing an email, that that's basically also part of your brand. I like your word bank idea. That is so good because once in a while I do hear words that I'm like, why don't I use that more? That's such a mm. good word. I really like it. <laughs> um, and then another thing to go along with setting tone is there's this new wave of food bloggers getting into podcasting to yes. support their food blogs. And I believe that... That is a solid, awesome way to set a new kind of tone for your for your brand to kind of reach people in a new way. Hearing your spoken voice, there's nothing like it. You can write all day and then have one little conversation with someone verbally and it just completely changes their perspective of you. So I think that is another way to set a tone and YouTube video, like video as well, right? Yes. Yeah. Videos, um, especially the voiceover is quite popular. That, that's a great way to connect with your audience. Yeah. Love it. Okay. What is step number four, Caro? It's consistency. And that's really the hardest part. It sounds easy, but just staying consistent. So as I said, don't box yourself in, but you have all these different outlets that I've just mentioned and just trying to, when you create this freebie, 
not 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 jump onto Canva and 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 get a completely different template that has nothing to do with your brand, uh, and send it out and somebody subscribes to your email address and gets us like oh where did I get that from? And I guess it's just uh, really trying to be consistent. You don't need to have a brand menu like McDonald's or Starbucks where they really have guidelines around every every little thing and every little usage of their logo. But try to be consistent across your platforms. It's very important. And it comes down to even face-to-face. I heard somebody the other day saying that they're really aware of how they talk to their team members, that they are, you know, not on brand, but but it's uh, just trying to be consistent in how you approach conversation with clients or your peer-to-peers and your team members, how you present yourself in digital meetings. If you run cooking classes and you mentioned being guest on podcasts you want to make sure that you are just be consistent across all those those areas and if you're for example starting to offer services like photography or blog post writing that if you're sending a pitching deck it should it should come from you they should know that it's from you and don't reinvent the wheel there it makes it a lot easier too <laughs> yeah. I love this I love the consistent part because I do notice when people are not consistent, when brands aren't Mm. consistent. It's like when one of my boys does something that's out of character, I'm like, wait, what? That's not you. That's not your brand. It's the same thing with businesses and brands. You notice when there's not in alignment, right? Yeah. I think it's, it makes you also question what, you know, like what are they telling me that that they aren't you know it, it's sort of uh, the the trust sort of goes in a way and you want to trust a brand and I think it comes down to if you if you even you know if you're a vegan blogger and then you share you know the steak recipe um, <laughs> um, because it has very high search volume and low competition you know you, the whole trust just goes it's an extreme example but it's it's the same as if you you know say a, a, a vegan food blogger and have a, a leopard pattern in your profile photo I guess it's it's just <laughs> you just need to sort of just be aware of what people think of you and if that's what you're striving for that you sort of reinforce those experiences mm, that is good okay Caro, is there anything else about your steps that you wanted to say before we start saying goodbye? No, I think that's um, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And just one more question for you. Do you feel like getting all of this together and just taking the time to think through it will help our businesses? And if so, in what ways will it help? Yeah, I think... First of all, if I look for a recipe and I visit a food blog and there's this very strong branding approach that aligns with my values, I'm far more likely to subscribe to their newsletter and check out their social media. So I think conversion is a lot higher if you find and you're going to find your people that are really highly engaged. Once you have a really a target audience or an audience that is highly engaged, that, that really aligns with your values and, and responds to it, then you can create brand partnerships with similar brands, brands that share the same audience very successfully. So when I pair up brands um, as a marketing consultant, I I look at what do the brands stand for and which influencers do we work with? Do they have a crossover in target audience? Because basically the brand wants to sell their product or service to your audience. So if you are really succinct and have a very strong brand message and a very engaged audience, then you are going to get the brand deals that you like and that you want. And I would also just sit down as part of your mood board or vision board Add those brands that you want to work with that really are your dream brands that you are fully aligned with and work towards it. And when you pitch to them, say, 
you know, I have an audience that has an affinity with these brand values that we have in common. And um, I would like to introduce them to your products and services. So really uh, approach your brand partnership of what's in it for the brand and that you understand their brand because you're talking to the marketing department. So if you if you talk their language, you're far more likely to get uh, the brand deal. Ooh, that's a great point right there. Speak their language and... Mm-hmm. You're ahead of so many other people. Yes. What a great conversation, Caro. Thank you so much. This (laughs) is super valuable. So thank you for being here. It was such a pleasure. I hope it was helpful. (laughs) Yes. To end, do you have either a favorite quote or words of inspiration to leave us with today? Yes. So I I walked across Spain with my husband and the on a, on a pilgrimage walk and you say buen camino, which means you know sort of have a good way, and I think really that that sort of shaped my way of thinking a little bit that you know the, the journey is a destination and I think in blogging it's so easy to just focus on that media vine qualification or, or any other ad ad network and and just sort of look towards the carrot and actually not enjoy the journey. And I think it's really important to, when you're feeling burnt out or if you are just feeling not inspired to just stop and just uh, remind yourself if the mission statement comes in, why did I start this and um, why does it bring me joy and what am I trying to do here and, and enjoy the journey and don't get too carried away with the goal in mind. Oh, beautiful. Thank you, Caro. We'll put together some show notes for you. You can go to eblogtalk.com forward slash Caro Haas. That's C-A-R-O-H-A. Why don't you share where everyone can find you on your blog and everywhere else? Yeah, so it's what you see. So it's caroha.com on all platforms. So I'm mainly in, on Instagram. I started TikTok. <laughs> I'm struggling. So please uh, <laughs> say hi. <laughs> I will do that today. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, my blog, my Instagram is uh, probably the best place you can find me. And if you need help or, you know, I have I have a template of how to work through this brand journey, just send me an email or DM and I'm, I'm happy to cha- share my templates with you as well. So I'm happy to help. Um, uh, I got so much back from the community and learned so much. So I'm, I'm happy to contribute as well. Oh, love that so much. Thanks again for being here. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eat Blog Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful if you posted it to your social media feed and stories. I will see you next time.